Are you looking for freedom? Freedom from the daily grind and hustle? Or just finding a way to live the life you always wanted? Then join us on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Our host, Mike Ayala, will help you discover new ways to find freedom with tips, insights, and interviews. You'll learn the exact systems he's used to travel the world and live his best life. True success and happiness are all about freedom. And here's your roadmap on how to find freedom on your own terms. Welcome to the Investing for Freedom podcast. Here's your host, Mike Ayala. Thank you for joining me on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Today, I have a special guest on the show, Josh Blinkenship. And I'm really excited to bring you this episode and bring Josh to you because, well, number one, he's just a fabulous guy. And um, I've had the privilege of getting to know him over the last year. I met him through GoBundance and, you know, we quickly started working together. He's been a client of mine, which is definitely not why I'm bringing him on the show. Um, I've just realized that he has done so many amazing things in life. And it's guys like Josh that just, you know, they go out there and they grind and they get stuff done and they put their head down and they make huge impacts in the world and then they seldom talk about it. And so I'm just really excited to bring him here and, you know, allow him to share all of his wisdom around life and family and building businesses and real estate investing and just, you know, all the amazing things that he's learned. I've learned so much about this guy, you know, working with him one-on-one. Um, just excited to bring, uh, you know, Josh on the show. So, um, Josh, thank you for being here. Thanks brother. Appreciate it. Super excited to be here and have the conversation. So yeah, Thanks I am too. Me. Yeah, of course. And I'm, I'm excited for you to be here too. I think, uh, like I said, I think everybody's going to be inspired by what you've done. And, you know, we were joking off camera, like you're, you're an overnight success 10 years in the making. Right. So, um, yes. yeah, well, let's jump right so, into the four questions. Um, so who's had the greatest impact on your life? So I would say I have kind of a rich dad, poor dad story with two father figures in my life that have both had significant impact in different seasons of my life. So obviously my father in the earlier season, um, as a young man, um, my dad always gave me the sense that he had my back, no matter what I got into, what I did, he was there. Um, I played soccer from like five years old to through my first year of college. And my dad never missed uh, one game. Hmm. I get a little emotional about that, but because I always felt like I could go out into the world and my dad was always um, in the in the bleachers, right? Like he was always there. He, he got off work at three o'clock every day. He was at most practices, um, picked me up. So he was always just a big fan of mine. And he also taught me uh, work ethic. You know, he was, my mom always says your dad is the hardest working man I've ever known. Um, And there's some, there's some like poor money mindsets, but he, you know, he worked hard his whole life. And um, so he taught me work ethic, um, always had my back, um, and then, you know, when I got into real estate and I was struggling to start off, he uh, co-signed on my first house, you know, so he was always there to just as a backing. Um, there wasn't a lot of financial um, education at all. Like my parents never even, we never talked about money. It was, grew up blue collar. Um, you know, my mom's a teacher. My dad worked maintenance in a warehouse essentially, or so, yeah first season of my life was my my dad um he's always been there for me so and then 
as I'm, when I married into my wife's family, um, her dad is, uh, you know, was a successful businessman, scaled a, scaled a stone manufacturing company, sold it, um, big exit. So he was the first guy that I ever met that, that I knew closely that had wealth hmm. and had a, a growth mindset. You know, he had an office with books full of success, you know, mindset, growth mindset, all the Kiyosaki books, like all the think and grow rich. So the first year that I was in the family, he gave me a book that I pulled down from the shelf here. It's called um, the secret, what the secret of getting rich trilogy. It's uh, thinking of rich science, getting rich and master key system. So that was like the first book that I've ever read on like financial mindsets, mm. you know? So he through that book changed and through a bunch of other conversations, changed the way I thought, changed my, my thinking from, you know, fixed mindset to growth, poverty to abundance like he, he pulled me out of a lot of shit. So, um, mainly just through relationships. It wasn't like active mentoring or anything, but yeah. So I say those two, those two father figures. You know, I love that so much because you said so much there and I'm not going to camp on this too long. Cause we got to get through the four questions. I might circle back to this if we have time, but I've found, you know, even when you just told like the rich dad, poor dad story and you were talking about, you know, your dad and what he taught you. Um, I was just thinking back to, I've had so many different mentors in my life. And the thing, the thing that I learned a long time ago where I've seen people go wrong is thinking that, um, they can't learn something from everyone, like every single person. And so like, even it just sunk for me when you were talking about your dad, um, there's, there's amazing things that he taught you. Right. And then uh, you know, we've, we've talked about this a lot, but even just mindsets and, you know, some of the poverty mindsets and stuff that people deal with, we have to really learn to identify what, what it is we're trying to get from different humans, because we're never, there's never going to be one person in our life that fulfills all of those. And so that was a very like impactful moment for me. So I appreciate you, the correlation between like the rich dad and the poor dad, because even though, you know, we've heard Kiyosaki talk about it a million times, the way you said it. Yeah just like totally sunk in for me. And when people think they're going to get everything from one person in their life, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, it's true. And it's not that the, like when you say rich dad, poor dad, it's not that one's better than the other. Like you're getting different qualities of uh, amazing people that are just good and valuable in different ways. And um, like my dad taught me honor, you know, not to gossip, like all these just great, Values, um, tenant, yeah, values, um, that he withheld in his life, and um, but he never focused on money. You know, I think there's some messed up money mindsets that we never talked about it. You just trade your time for cash, and uh, and that was his whole goal with like making more money was he had to hit forty hours to get overtime, and then and then he was getting time and a half, and he would always you know talk about the time and a half, how, how big that was. And that was pretty much the mindset. So there was no, you know, concept of building or scaling something or owning assets that pay you. There was no concept of investing for freedom. Like 
And that's that whole mindset. Like, this is one of the reasons I was so attracted to you, even as a coach and just as an individual and human. I love the value of um, investing in freedom. Mm. It's like what I built my entire life around when I was constructing the idea of like, what kind of real estate business do we want to operate? Um, you know, where do we want to take this thing? And, and it, it was always following a path that would give us freedom in the future. So I love it, but yeah, didn't get that in my first 25 years of life. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I can totally relate to that. If you could narrow it down to one thing that has had the greatest impact on your success, what would that be? This was a hard one to answer, but, um, for some reason, the quote, I, I think it's like emotional fortitude and persistence. Um, is it Tyson has the quote, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I feel like that's the story of my life is like being able to take punches in the gut through business. Like when you want to take your life from here, you know, a $50,000 mindset, uh, a year and you want to go to a millionaire mindset, that is a journey that is really freaking hard, right? Not only in, because you have terrible financial mindsets, um, you're starting with no resources. You're, it's an uphill battle all the way. You don't have a track record. No one trusts that you can pull it off. You know, you're battling everything uphill. And if you don't have fortitude to like, push through um, all the anxiety attacks that come with financial pinches and stresses and disappointments and rejection and financial, you know, mm -hmm. problems um, as you're scaling a business, you're not going to make it. Mm -mm. It's just too damn hard. Yeah. Um, so if there's one thing that's contributed to my successes, I can take a lot of hits and keep coming. You know, that's such a beautiful, um, point. And this is why I love the questions because it, it always just expands my mind. Um, but you know what you just said, it's there, there's a concept, you, you know, you called it emotional fortitude, but there's just like we have an IQ, like an intelligence quotient, like he's got a high IQ. Our society is based so much value on our IQ. Um, when in reality, I mean, you can see it even just in the schooling system and the collegiate system and all of that. But the reality is, I think what you were just talking about, there's a term called EQ, emotional quotient, just like intelligence quotient, emotional quotient. I read a whole book on this and it's such a great point because I think sometimes the two, two things that I just want to anchor that I took away from what you just said. Um, number one, that emotional fortitude is so valuable in the sense that you're going to deal with financial stresses, whether, you know, you're making 30 grand a year or 300 grand a year or 3 million grand, 3 million grand, um, 3 million a year or whatever the number is. And I think sometimes people with, you know, they're, I think sometimes people sit back and they say, okay, well, Josh, that's great. You made it, but I'm dealing with this and I'm dealing with this and I'm dealing with this. And what they don't realize is that you're dealing with the same shit. You just deal with it different. Like the only way it, it's basically exercising that emotional fortitude muscle. The more you exercise that, the stronger it gets. And I think sometimes people have the, um, the idea that, you know, because Josh is successful, which we'll get into that, you know, somebody handed it to him 
or, you know, he got lucky or all these things. And no, it's what you just said. Like you plowed through that shit, right? Yeah. And I think 90, you know, most of the people that start businesses don't, that they fail. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, what, what about what they're doing is failing. Is it them? Is it their business model? Is it what they're selling? Is it attractive? Probably not. It probably gets, there's a season when you're growing that um, if you don't go through the pain to grow, like um, you can't get to the next level. So I don't think that's necessarily always the case, but there there is a season where you got to push through um, to be able to to hit your goals. And I, I think that's probably why most people fail in business is that they don't want, they don't want to put up with the pain. They don't want to push through mm -hmm. those stress points. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and on that point, the second thing that I kind of, that kind of anchored for me when you were saying all that too, is I was just thinking about atomic habits, that book of like stacking habits. Right. And the only way to get through that pain point, like you said, I think sometimes people like, oh, meditation or quiet time or journaling or whatever, that's a bunch of woo-woo, foo-foo stuff. But the reality is, is it keeps you anchored in what you're talking about, like those goals and getting through that. And so um, I think, you know, the, the idea of stacking habits and, and that's really how we exercise that emotional fortitude is making sure, you know, sometimes we have to just stop and, and and sit with something like, what am I really doing? And why did I want this? And how the hell did I get here? You know? Yeah. So the first like four years of my business was we, we flipped single family homes uh, before I got into rental properties at all. And uh, I remember I have this very clear memory of like the first real <laughs> anxiety attack that I had. I was driving, I was pulling out of the bank. I'm looking at how much money on, uh, you know, we had like three or four flips going at once, which was more than I was used to. So it was doing onesies, onesies, like a house a month. We got into like three or four at one time. And I was like, there was so much money going out the window and I didn't see how it was coming in and how everything was getting paid for. So the systems weren't in place, right. Mm -hmm. For growth. Yeah. And, uh, I had an anxiety attack that, and I'm not an anxious person. Like I can roll with a high level of stress, um, pretty good. And, uh, yeah, for like the whole afternoon, I couldn't breathe, you know, went into that. Those are the seasons where it's like, okay, step back, reassess. I don't think I even knew at the time, like I needed systems, uh, to scale out, you know? Yeah. <laughs> this is so bad yeah. in the early years, but that's stepping back, reassessing, and then finding the self-improvement that I needed to, cause it was all on me. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't improve my mindsets and my business wasn't going to improve. So that led to those pinch points. You either push in or you bail out. Mm -hmm. um, so at those moments, I think have been the most like, key times where you have to dive deep on yourself and, and figure out where the, where the problems are and then be okay with facing those things. Yeah. And, you know, I talk a lot about, you know, just becoming that next, like who do I have to become to go to that next level? And 
I think that's why it's so important for what, you know, whatever it is for the listeners or for you or for me, it's always different. But, you know, even just the comment of you're an overnight success, 10 years in the making, like every single day you have to wake up and build those habits and, and strengthen that emotional fortitude muscle and just keep doing those. It's just doing the next right thing. Right. And I think that's where people lose it. Like when you, you know, you're having this anxiety attack outside of the bank and, but you were, you were expanding into a new version of you. Right. And that's the thing people start wiggling there and they don't want to stay in that because it's painful and it's hard. And, and you said this earlier, that's when people quit. That's when they give up. And that's why businesses fail. That's why people never launch businesses. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So it's an interesting thing to look back on and see like when these when these things happened and realizing that like what got you to that point, isn't what it it's, you know, what got me here. Can't get me there. Yeah. Um, that's probably, I think I asked you this on a coaching call a few weeks ago. Uh, like at every level of success that you hit and like, um, level of scale within your business, um, just even in personal development, it seems like, at every level, it's you kind of got to tear down and rebuild, mm-hmm. and then tear down and rebuild, and tear down and rebuild. So it's like, like, is it always going to be this way? Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, I I think you're right, and I think it is always going to be that way. I think we just get more comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I was thinking as you were saying that, I used to go to this church a long time ago, and they the pastor's wife always said, "New level, new devil," <laughs> yep. which you know, I don't really think about it. That was, that's kind of like a negative connotation. But what I'm hearing you say is that like, you know, when we're ready to go and EOS talks about this all the time, we hit ceilings, right? And every time we're hitting a ceiling, then we've got to look at our existing, there's really two things. It's a, it's a, well, it could be three things. It's a mindset issue. It's a process issue or it's a people issue, right? And we've got to fix one of those things. And usually as the entrepreneur, it's a mindset issue with us first, because we've got to, we have to understand it. We have to acknowledge it. We have to feel it. And that's when people start squirming right there. And, and a lot of times people will just back off rather than maybe what we need to do is back off a little bit, reprogram, reprocess. And I, you know, I think the shortcut to all of this is mentors. Um, you know, I'm always looking at, I'm always looking at yes. like, who's, who's already doing what I want to do. And, you know, a lot of times people don't want to pay for mentors and coaches and programs and courses and whatever. But the reality is like, how are you going to reprogram yourself or get into a new room if you don't pay to get into that room? I mean, you could try to do it on your own, but man, I'm, I'm looking for the shortcut. I'm looking for the pass to the front of the line. Like it's like that Disneyland pass. I'll pay the 250 bucks to get like, I want to get to the front of the line. Yeah, I don't know why for a long time I had this uh, mindset that like paying to get into the room was somehow unauthentic. Mm. Um, you know, that is such bullshit. Um, my life has elevated so much this year. Like I was just at dinner with my wife and she's like, it was for my birthday. So we were talking about the year and uh, she's just encouraging me. She's like, you, you've pushed yourself so hard. You've got, you know, did 75 hard, gotten in shape. And um, I joined GoBundance. My circle of friends is like legit ballers that are like care for me and my family. I care for them and their family. Like, so my social circle has elevated. Um, my mindset is elevated. Uh, built a relationship with you, and we're doing coaching, um, which has like transformed my business in a very short amount of time. Um, 
I mean, so by paying to get in the room, like my entire life has pretty much improved uh, across the board. With GoBundance, like my marriage is better. Uh, my relationship with my kids, I think I have a better perspective around that. So yeah, pay to be in the room. There was guys at another masterclass that I went to in Maui that were asking me about GoBundance. I'm like, what's there to lose? Like it's 10 grand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Um, you know, so on that note too, um, you were talking off camera about just, you know, how grateful you are. And I think this is probably a good time to, you know, maybe chat about that. Cause the next question is the greatest setback. And I don't want to, you're just on such like a, you know, a grateful point. So let, let's dive into that a little bit. Like you were just talking about, it was your birthday and you, you measure, I think, by the way, I think that was super smart when you said that, like, that's something everybody should hear. Like every birthday is kind of like a check-in point for you. Talk about that a little bit. So I think it started when I was 25. I had some big goals in my life to, to achieve by 25, at least big of, in the perspective of then. But I, I didn't hit those goals. And on my 25th birthday, I had like a crisis, right? Like uh, a personal crisis of like, I'm not on the path of achieving the potential um, that I know I'm capable of, mm -hmm. right? I don't know how to say this, but there's nothing that is as painful to a visionary type person than you are not on, not hitting your goals is one thing, not even on the right path. You know, to achieve uh, your your potential. Mm -hmm. So I had this like crisis. Like I was looking for the thing, right? The vehicle. So, anyways, that's so it happened at twenty five, and then every year it's kind of like the, my birthday has has become a little bit of like a check in point mm. where I just sit back, I sit back and assess my life, right? Like. Are we going in the right direction? Is my, am I happy in my marriage? How are things with the kids? How are things with the business? How is cash flow? Like, just how is everything, you know, at the moment? So two days ago was my 36th birthday. And I think I was, I was surprised at how freaking grateful I was the entire day. Like I was just taken, which is an amazing, mm -hmm. freaking amazing thing because um, I'm not one to like stop and take inventory or smell the roses or it's just go, go, go. Right. And, um, I should be better about practicing gratitude more, but, um, the seventh was probably the most grateful day of my life. Hmm. Um, and it took, that took me by surprise actually. So, you know, my marriage is probably at the best place it's ever been in my life in, in our 12 years. Uh, and it hasn't been a bad marriage. It's a great marriage. Like I'm so in love with my wife now more than when we got married. Right. So check. Just love where the kids are. They're all healthy, strong, smart. I mean, I'm just like, just so damn grateful. Um, like I said before, like my social circle has elevated in the last six months, like to where I, I'm like blown away. I get to sit here on a podcast with Mike Ayala and, and talk about, you know, abundance and, uh, you know, growth mindset and all this great stuff. 
like, are you freaking kidding me? Like life is really good. Life is really good right now. So, um, yeah. So on my birthday, I, I typically just sit back. I had a very average day at work. Like it wasn't a great day. Like it was an average day. But I think I'm just really, after a decade of driving on a vision of what I want my life to look like, like I can, I can take off. I don't need to work anymore. Like I can do, I want to work. Yes. Do I want to fulfill mm-hmm. more potential? Yeah. Um, but I don't have to like, that's been a vision that I've had for, for a decade, you know, yep. that I'm actively working towards and that has happened. So I just feel really good about life right now. I'm, I'm happy. I'm thankful. Um, and I know like if I heard somebody else say that, like, yeah, that's cool, man. But like, I just, I would say, just stick to the vision. Mm-hmm. Just keep working that, stick to the vision and uh, working for those, those goals and your relationships. And um, it, like I said, it kind of took me by surprise because I, I looked around and I'm like, shit, all the things that I want in life have been attracted to me. And that's, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. It is super cool. And, you know, on that, that point that you made, you know, sometimes people are like, Oh yeah, that's cool, Josh. But we were joking about an overnight success, 10 years in the making. But as you're saying that, I think the thing that you were encouraging around and, and I'm going to just reinforce it. Um, it doesn't happen overnight. Like you got to put the work in and, you know, even the mindset, like when you were talking about gratitude, um, you know, I think sometimes people think this is woo woo stuff, but you're right in the sense that, and I think most of my audience fits in this, we're hard charging, like we're visionaries, like, okay, great. We, we succeeded yesterday. Like we took that mountain. What's the next mountain? Like we're always on to the next like thing. Right. And to stop for a minute and to celebrate, I think is something we need to do more of because we're probably, you know, I've asked the question and, and this isn't one of the four questions, but I would love to hear your two cents on this. I've been asking this question of myself, you know, for the last year or so, and I've asked it to a couple other people too. You know, when I look at, when I look backwards at my life 10 years ago, is your life better or worse than what you could have imagined? I think it's just starting to align with the life I envisioned for myself. And I think that's where the gratitude comes from. There's always this picture of like, okay, so you've helped me work through some of this, this incorrect mindset, but um, like always had this picture of like 40 year old Josh. Uh, Like I would work my ass off until I was 40 and then kind of reassess at 40. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, so I never, I don't know if I ever would take the time to even think about that question. Yeah. uh, Because I was so focused on my life isn't, it doesn't look like I want it to Mm -hmm. essentially. Right. I don't have the financial freedom. I'm pressed every month or I'm stressed out or whatever. So I just, I just figured that like, I'm just going to grind my ass off until this future picture of myself. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Like, is manifested right yeah like i hit this until i hit whatever this picture is way out in the future yeah 
Um, but life is so good right now. Like I would say that it's better than I thought it was. Yeah. Would be. Yeah. And I think the point you were just kind of alluding to this too, like you got to just stick with it. It's kind of like compound interest, right? Like people, Oh, I'm only making 5% or 6% or something, but man, that stuff starts hockey sticking. And you know, I have kind of a similar, your father-in-law gave you the book, my uncle who, who was probably the only successful person in the lineage on, uh, on my family, on my mom's side gave me, um, uh, the richest man in Babylon at, at my wedding. Yeah. It took me like a year, year and a half to read it or whatever, but you know, it talks in there about compounding, right? Like things start stacking and it's the same thing with time. And the thing that I'm hearing you really say is just stick with it. Like you gotta, you gotta keep pushing through it. Right. Because your life, your life is at the end there, you said better than what you could have imagined, but it doesn't happen overnight. And I think that's why stacking the habits and continuing to just put in the work, put in the work, put in the work. Don't get frustrated. When you hit that ceiling that you were talking about earlier, you got to figure out how to regroup and blast through that ceiling. And it's going to, it has to be with a new version of you. It's got to be a new, um, a new way of thinking, a new mindset, a new process. And, um, what are some of the ways that you've found that? Oh, man, self-awareness is a big one. I, I think understanding um, my own limitations is a huge one because as entrepreneurs, we'll, we'll like, I think you said this the other day, we'll throw the business on our back and carry the sucker. Mm-hmm. Um, even if we're not equipped to do uh, major parts within the business, right? Yeah. Like I'm a visionary. I'm not an integrator. I know that I'm not a systems guy. Um, I'm terrible at it, but I want to scale. Can't scale without systems. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so I'm looking at bringing in integrators, um, into two different parts of my businesses. But the other thing I wanted to touch on other than self-awareness is um, the book you gave me, which was um, The Big Leap, right? So upper limiting. We had this conversation about every time we hit like a a level of success in our lives or in our business, um, we have a tendency to like do things to it or mess with it or screw it up somehow to where it drops us to like what level of success we think we're worthy of. Mm. Um, So that book I would recommend to everyone, uh, The Big Leap, super insightful. Like the first chapter, I thought he was just reading my mail. It was so good. I love that. The whole principle of upper limiting, it's once, like that's one of those things you can't unsee, right? Like you're you're not aware of it until you see it. Yeah, I know every time when I do certain things, I'm like, Oh no, here it is. <laughs> Self-sabotaging. Um, and it's subtle. It can be super subtle. Right. So, okay. The who, not how. So, so hitting upper limits. Yes. We need to change mindsets and be like self-aware, but having that self-awareness, like you got to bring in other resources. Like you can't try to carry everything yourself. So that's, that's where I'm at. I'm, I'm struggling through that now of just like we've built, I have great employees. I've built a great team. Um, but I need someone at a higher level that can basically take my vision and run with it on, you know, the property management side and the construction business. And I need people in between me and the people that are, are working for me because 
I think we've talked about this. It's like a, it's like a hammer um, coming down on if 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 my team you know screws something up. I'm too intense with the vision I have of what product we put out to the market, and um, I, I can come down hard. So I actually self sabotage because I expect such a high level of excellence that I'll just slam employees too hard. And then in the long run, that's, it hurts, it hurts the business. So just understanding your own strengths and your own weaknesses, and then getting team members in place that can, that can um, scale a lot more. Yeah. You know, and the interesting thing on that point, and I know you and I have talked about this and you're fully aware of it as am I, it's the same question. Like, who do I have to become? Right. It's still the same. Like I, I have an old business partner. We're not, we're not in business any longer together. Um, and it was, it was a great partnership, but even still to this day, he's like, I can't find good people. I can't find good help. Like nobody wants to work. Like every time I hear that, I'm like, you have to become a different version of you to attract, like, who are you attracting? And he's obviously attracting people that don't want to work they don't know what they're doing. Like, it's not just about pay. I think sometimes, oh, I'll just pay more. Well, that people are not just motivated by money. They want to be, one of the things that really changed my way of thinking in the last six months, and I don't know if I've talked to you about this, but you know, I have coaching clients that like, just like you that work with me and I pour a lot of time and energy and I think about my clients a lot. And I had this epiphany. If I put the same amount of effort and energy into my right hand employees or my business partners or, you know, people that, well, just that right hand employees, business partners, people who report to me. If I put the same amount of emotional energy and effort and time into my right hand people, I would be, I would be making 10 X, maybe even a hundred X what I would charge any client. And so it was a huge shift for me in the way that I show up for my inner circle of, um, employees, people, because again, it's the same, it's the same thing. If they're not doing it the way that I want, you know, we have to ask the EOS question, right? People, right seats. Are they the right person? If they are the right person, then why are they not performing properly? And it's usually back on me. So who do I have to become as a leader in order, you know, to bring them to my expectations? And that's usually the same thing, just like we were talking about the 10 years, the overnight success, it's not going to happen overnight. That's a mentoring process that's going to take years, right? That's why it's so important we get the right people on our team. Yeah, and we have voices in our lives, both mentors and people that are way ahead of us in the game. Like, um, I think you and I align really well, like on our spiritual values, on our which which really just like filters down into everything else. I think, um, but business values, family values, spiritual values, um, and one of the, I think, depending on where people are in life, but what, if they come to me for advice, I mean, it's, it's, um, one of the things is marry well. Mm. Um, like, and th this really settled in the other day too, when I was just evaluating what life looks like right now. I'm like, life could be so much harder. Mm -hmm. Okay. Number one is spouse but it's not just a spouse. Like you marry well, you marry up and man, your life is so much easier yeah. and so much better. And I know you feel this way, obviously. Um, but like what a treasure, right? But you think about 
you th think about that in the sense of like your employees, the people you bring around you, the mentors you bring into your life, the coaches, um, the partners, business partners, like you, like you just to reflect back what you just said, you're attracting these people, everyone in your life, you've attracted into your life. Mm -hmm. um, so be very careful about how you attract mm -hmm. um, and what you attract, how you position yourself in life um, because it can be a blessing or a curse, right? Yeah. I so agree with that statement. Like the partner that you pick is the most important decision you'll ever make. And there's two people that I've heard say that, um, I, uh, I can't even remember his name, but then there was a guy on the rich dad podcast the other day too. Um, that was, uh, he's a big Bitcoin fanatic and Kim Kiyosaki asked him like, what's the most important decision that people need to make? And he's like, pick your spouse properly. And it was like out of left field. She was like, what? And so I, I just so reinforce, um, you know, it, it makes it so much easier if you pick the right partner. It, that's so true that, I mean, that was gold right there. It is gold because like my wife grew up in an entrepreneurial environment. Her dad was a risk taker, business, real estate, like, and I walked right into that. And like the, the crazy shit I pull off sometimes and she's just like, yeah, you know, yeah, let's do that. Why wouldn't we do that? I'm like, thank God, you know, for picking the right spouse because it's either the biggest battle or the biggest like wind at your back. Yeah. yeah. And that's one thing that, you know, Kara and I, with our couples mastermind, which is one of the favorite, my favorite things that we do, we've specifically said that we're not looking for couples. And the, the reason why I'm saying this is it's so rare. It's so rare to find couples that are actually connected. Kara and I hardly ever fight. Be, and that's not like, because we've done hundreds and thousands of hours of therapy and whatever. It's like, most of the time it's not even worth it, but that's what we like. Our couples mastermind is so fun, but we're strategically looking for couples that are, you know, a six or a seven that want to get to eight, nine, 10. Like that's, we're not looking for couples that are one or two or they're on the fence and they're so rare, Josh. Like, and I, I think that number one, even if you've found the right partner, I think people go through so much shit, they don't work through it. But then also like, I mean, people, fell in love and they think that's going to be enough. And none of that's enough. Like we have to dream together and vision together and do all the, th you guys went to dinner for your birthday. And what did you do? You checked in. How's life? How's it going? She's encouraging you. She's also, I'm guessing she probably challenges the hell out of you too. you know, pick you up when you're down. Kara has this saying, by the way, I'm so passionate about this. I'll, I'll get off of it. But Kara has this saying, one of our laws of marriage or rule, if one of us is always on, we'll be fine because there's times when you're down and she's up and there's times when she's up and, and, and you're down. As long as a, one of us is always on, you'll get through anything. Yeah. Yeah. I realized, <clears throat> so this Maui masterclass, the Fedkeys were there and, and Rich Fedke did, uh, we're going into some, what he calls California woo woo shit. Um, but, so he did a visualization where uh, you kind of go to an elevated place and then you come back down to your to your 10 year future home and then your 10 year future self answers the door right and then you have this conversation with yourself 10 years in the future which was just freaking wild it was probably the most valuable thing of the whole event but the first question i asked him myself future self was 
is Shara happy? Are the kids safe? Right. So it was like, that messed me up right there. Like, but then, um, I don't, I don't know where, where I was trying to go with that, but basically like, I think if, if your core, you know, desire is to build a life of freedom with the person you love the most, like your top priority should be that person, your relationship and, um, how do we not get stuck along the way, mm-hmm. right? Like stuck in the mud Four kids, a house that never is clean, you know, because of four kids. So it's just, it's a lot of stress. It's a lot of laundry. It's a lot, like this week. I'm like, Shara, actually on that dinner, I'm like, I'm not okay with you doing laundry anymore. Like it stresses you out. Mm-hmm. Like get someone and dollars a week and they come in and do all the laundry and it's done yeah. like it's forty dollars always keeping um you know a finger on the pulse of what are you what are you struggling with right now or um not getting stuck in the mud yeah. you know well and even back to just becoming that next version of you people might think that that's a a, a minor thing the laundry it's not it's huge and and i went through this with kara for a long time, I'm like, get somebody to do the laundry because it was something that was, it wasn't bringing her energy. And I think, again, people might think that this is just like, you know, minutia or like, oh, you know, lawn. no, if it's not bringing you energy, you need to eliminate it from your life. And that conversation you had with her is going to be life-changing because, and here's the funny thing, when Kara finally said, her big thing was she, you know, like, what's the process going to look like and how are they going to know what clothes to dry and this and that. And I'm like, why don't you ask our cleaners? I'm like, maybe they want to do it. And so she asked them and they're like, yeah, we'll just do it while we're cleaning your house once a week. And they charged us like an extra $25 a week to do our laundry. And I'm like, what? And and here's the other side of it. Like when we talk about blowing up and who we have to become, one day they washed my suits, like two of my suits. They ruined like $1,400 worth of suits. And I was like getting ready to flip my lid, right? But then I realized, you know what? I didn't create a process. I left it on the floor Um, they're just doing what they did. Right. And so that was totally on me. And so we have to create that. But anyway, if it doesn't bring you energy that those little things, that's going to be instrumental in, it brings so much value to your relationship and your home and, and, and all of that. Like it's, it's so important by the way, as a side note, um, I don't mean to cut you off, but I know rich pretty well. And I've done that exercise that you guys did before. It's pretty amazing. That's why I was smiling and it's great. Oh, it's amazing. And, and one of the, the, one of your next questions is, uh, what piece of advice, the piece of advice that I got from myself messed me up as well. It was, it was always follow abundance. Hmm. And I'd never heard it said quite like that, but I can see it was like, for me to get where you are, what's the one piece of advice that, um, that I need in the next 10 years. Right. And it was always follow abundance, Mm. which for me, my wheels just start turning. Like, where am I not operating in abundance right now? Where, where in the business am I like confining it, you know, with like scarcity or poverty. So yeah, trying to rethink, you know, look into, into that a little bit right now. It's so good. Like I just, I want to be careful even unpackaging that cause we're at 45 minutes, but man, that, 
that in itself is so good. And somebody brought up to me a while back about, it was actually my coach. He was talking to me about, I'll go into this later on a deeper podcast, but he was basically talking to me about away goals versus toward goals. And when you said always follow abundance, that like anchored that for me because a lot of our goals are driven by what we don't want in life. I don't want this to happen. I don't want that to happen. And that's an away goal. And when you said to your, when your future self told you, this is what I love about, because you're literally unpackaging your subconscious like future. And number one, it's more personal to you than it is anyone. But I love that because if, if we anchor around always follow abundance, that really, there's no questioning whether that's a future leaning or a toward goal versus an away goal, because anything that's like, I want to get away from this is not about abundance. It's about scarcity. We're running from something, right? Yeah, totally. It's just been that one piece of wisdom, I think will force me to reassess my entire business plan for the next few years um, and how I approach it, how I approach marketing around it and just everything about it um, has shifted a good bit already. And it's just one little nugget. Very cool. Do you want to circle back to question number three? What was your greatest setback and what did you learn from it? Or do you want to wrap up with something different? Oh, let's do it. Okay. Um, so setbacks are, this was a little tough for me too, because I don't focus on setbacks. Like I'm very quick to look forward. I immediately forget offenses. I have like no bitterness in me. Uh, so my wife is, anyways always comment about like how quickly I forget when someone screws me over. Like mm-hmm. I'm just like their best friend again tomorrow. Yeah, you know? same. Um, uh, so anyways, uh, I had a mentor early in the business, like the beginning of the business, um, close mentor that the plan was I would, I was getting my real estate license. I was learning the market. Um, I was hunting deals. I was bringing in opportunities and and the um the structure was going to be basically he would fund deals and i would you know hustle mm-hmm. so right because yep. he had the money i had the time and, and energy so um so it, it came out to where basically he just said look he didn't handle this right but at the time it was the line he gave me was it's it's my job to take care of my family it's yours to take care of yours get over the idea of working together um, you're on your own pretty much. It was just like a huge slap in the face and I didn't have any resources. I didn't have any relationships. It was like, it was before flip number one. I mean, this was in the very, very, very beginning. So uh, today I'm so thankful that happened because I had to go back to resourcefulness, mm. right. Of like, okay, I got to find, I got to figure out how to fund the first deal. Right. Mm-hmm. I got to, so I ended up getting a bank loan and that was the one that my dad co-signed for me. And, um, I did a couple under co-signed loans before I found a private money lender that has funded everything I've done pretty much since. But yeah, that the first setback of like, Whoa, I thought this was the structure that we were going to start this business in. And, uh, you know, it went, went in a different direction. He basically bailed on me, but, um, I'm sure there's so many things that I did not do right in that situation too. So looking back, I, you know, probably didn't have a lot of self-awareness and, um, learned a lot on both sides of it, but man, I'm so thankful it happened today. Cause I found my money lenders. I found all my, my title, like all those team members that you need. 
out of like branching away from him and, mm-hmm. and going my own route. Yeah. I love it. Um, I'm, I'm with you too. I don't, you know, dwell on the, the setbacks much, but it's good. Just like we, you know, talked about inventory on gratitude. It's, it's good to analyze some of the setbacks too, to, um, you know, make sure we don't revisit that. Hey, it's Mike here. I wanted to uh, interrupt the show and just let you know about an opportunity that I have in my one-on-one mentoring. If you're a listener of the show, you know that I take five one-on-one clients at any given time. And I currently have an opening available. I had a client uh, and his wife actually that finished up probably a month ago. So I have an opening. Um, If you're interested in one-on-one mentoring with me, text the word mentor to 480-531-7519. We've seen a lot of great success with our clients. Josh is one of them. And so I thought this would be a great time to just interject and let you know about that opportunity. If, if you think it might be a fit, text the word mentor to 480-531-7519. Now back to Josh's story. This has been extremely valuable, man. And um, we didn't even get into, why, why don't you take just a minute and you know tell us what the last 10 years looked like that we keep coming back to overnight success, 10 years in the making. So um Go ahead and just, you know, share with us. So you're, you're, you're so grateful about the family and the life and everything else, but, you know, tell us about the portfolio and what you've built. So 2012, I got my real estate license and then 13, it took like, it took a year to get my first deal under contract, four months to, uh, and, and so I was a painting contractor. Let me start there. I was a painting contractor. I had a little small business, paid my way through school with painting houses and then um, got married, had our first kid, and was just like, that was that you know crisis of I'm not on the right path, right? So uh, a friend of mine in in um, in school in Charlotte, she moved to Nashville, Tennessee, started flipping houses there, became a big successful developer in Nashville, um, and she started coaching me. I went there with my father-in-law to actually to coach. For him to coach her i walked through her job sites and i was like oh my god this is it this is the vehicle right that i've been praying for and agonizing over so got my license started flipping houses it was a very rough start very hard i put myself against the wall and just decided hey i'm not gonna paint another house in my life ever again Right. So done with that, we're going to make this thing, this real estate thing work. So we started flipping houses. I did on average about a house a month for four years um, until 2017, transitioned the business into strictly buy and hold. Um, And then from 17 till today, like right now I'm sitting at 142 units, I think. And, um, have refocused just recently refocused the business purely on um, mixed use commercial residential um, redevelopment projects of um, of our downtown area so now meeting with all of the the local development groups and political small you know small political groups and committees and, and talking about redeveloping our downtown and we're, I have a schedule to work through six assets, 35 units, um, something like 12 commercial, um, units. So 
yeah, we're now in the redevelopment business and it's now looking more like a development company than a real estate investing company, but they're definitely merged uh, kind of into in one at this, at this point. You know, and it's so crazy too. I, I love uh, watching people's evolution and just even talking about, you know, getting in that next level room and becoming who we need to become. Like if, if you had, you know, told yourself 10 years ago, I'm going to go develop downtowns, like you were you know, you weren't ready for that conversation yet. So you have to go from, you know, being a painting contractor, which is, you know, some people's dream um, to, okay, I'm going to start flipping houses, which is some people's dream to, okay, I'm going to start buying and holding. And I have over a hundred, you know, rental units to, I'm going to build a property management company to, I'm going to become a development company. That's a great example of, you know, just that progression of, uh, you know, who do I have to become and get into that next level room. By the way, as a side note, I'm going to plug Josh just cause you know, he probably wouldn't. Um, if you live in an amazing downtown area, um, that needs redeveloped, th this is your guy. So maybe get, you know, your local uh, redevelopment agency or whatever in touch with Josh because he's building out a team and what he's doing in, in his own backyard is, is amazing, but he's going to start expanding out and, uh, you know, really just building development teams. So, um, yeah, if you want to see your downtown revitalized, maybe just reach out to Josh. So Josh, I'm gonna let you, uh, you know, give any final last words, but before you do that, how can people find you? How can they get in touch with you? Uh, social media. Um, so yeah, Instagram, Facebook, just search my name, Josh C. Blankenship on Instagram, Josh Blankenship on Facebook. So cool. Yeah. Well, we've covered a lot, man. And I really appreciate all your value. Any, any final last words of wisdom or anything you didn't cover that you want to share? Um, the one like piece of advice that I most give for the longest period of time, because the, the oh, yeah. always follow abundance is kind of a new thing, um, or it is kind of a new thing, but the one piece of advice, like people always want to know how to get into real estate investing and all that, like, right? So they reach out and it's, I kind of hook it on the verse in Romans 12, which is be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you want to go to a next level in life, you have to transform your thinking. And, and I'm not saying like, I've got it all figured out because I don't, I'm working through from level to level, as you say, from glory to glory, like each level takes, um, a new transformation of your mind. Mm -hmm. And, um, so always be pushing into that. Well, again, man, I, I want to just honor you. I appreciate you, you know, getting to know you has been amazing. Um, I consider you a great friend and. I think long-term, um, you know, we're probably going to, if nothing else, I think it's going to be a great long-term friendship. You've brought a lot of, um, inspiration to my life. So I appreciate you. Dude, I can't say enough vice versa. I mean, I've gotten so much value just by hanging with you and talking with you and love our, love our calls. And, um, so thank you, man. Yeah. If you found value in this episode and you know someone who's wanting to start or move further along in their journey toward investing for freedom, I would be forever grateful if you would share this show with them and help me get this message out to more listeners. Also, if you enjoy what you've heard, I would appreciate it if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. And until the next episode, cheers to moving further along in your journey of investing for freedom.